are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on a Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. And it was originally inspired by the meaning and work research I've done over the last 15 years and now complements the work that I get to do at Insignium, which is a global management consulting firm. We specialize in organizational transformation and breakthrough projects. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but first, a big shout out and thanks to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally job focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their own search so they can find work close to home. Thanks, Jobbing.com. Last week, we were on the air with Mike Bainbridge, who is the chief digital technologist at Rackspace in London, who I had occasion to meet thanks to an exchange on Twitter. He shared his perspective on how we as individuals can increase our productivity by incorporating a little technology in our lives, explained how he supports his customers with their iCloud-based technology, and then shared his perspective on where our app-driven world is taking our technological future. It was really a fun conversation. He's slightly passionate Mm -hmm. about technology. For this week's conversation, with me is Frank Guimaraes, who is a senior information technology business leader. A Brazilian by birth, he has leadership experience with large cross-functional teams and projects in Brazil and the United States. We'll be talking about his experience of working on both sides of the equator in two completely different cultures and languages and the leadership lessons he's learned along the way. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. Frank, it's great to have you with me. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you, Alice. It's really great to have you with me. I yeah, this is wonderful. I, I will, I'll tell my listeners how I found you. I, I was speaking at, a, at an event about my research, and you were in the audience and good enough to chat with me afterwards. And when I learned about your background and thought about, gosh, in today's international economy, how so many executives have the experience of living and working in different countries and working in different languages, and I found you, and I thought, wouldn't it be great to share your experience with our listeners? So thanks for agreeing to come on. I appreciate it. Well, to kick us off here for this for this first segment, I think it'd be great for our listeners just to get to know you a little bit, just to kind of hear a bit about your background. I, I think I think that you grew up in Mingasharaish. Maybe I know that's where you had at least some of your your experience. But tell us a bit about how you got started in the business world. Well, uh, yes, uh, you're right. Uh, I was uh, raised in Mingasharaish. My uh, upbringing. Um, my father was uh, always mm-hmm. as a businessman. And uh, he uh, had uh, manufacturing, uh, you know, a small manufacturing business. So I grew up in that environment, basically. And, uh, you know, I always see him, uh, you know, uh, appreciating what he was doing and learning with him. So early on, he had a lot of influence on my, uh, the way I view things, you know, from, uh, from the business perspective. And, uh, and learning with the small business, you know, that, that's, that's, that was the beginning. And I uh, always uh, worked with him uh, as a teenager, you know, uh, growing up. And, uh, and <laughs> of course, he always make sure, made sure that I understood about the business uh, before I could sit in the, in the office. 
Yeah, so <laughs> it was a good experience. I really admire and appreciate. I can tell you that I, why I, my parents were restaurateurs, first farmers, and then restaurateurs, so entrepreneurs. And I learned so much from my parents about hard work and initiative and following through and doing the right thing and being in the community. So I really appreciate that. You literally grew up with your father learning about business. I think it's remarkable. Yes. Yeah. So how did you, when you, did you go to college? Yes. Uh, so basically, uh, first of all, let's step back a little bit. I, you know, I was working with my father, you know, at some point, um, my mother, because I, I have roots in the United States, you know, uh, my uh, grandparents uh, from my mother's side were American missionaries in Brazil. Oh. So my, my mother wanted me to kind of learn more about the culture. So the last two years of high school, I, I, I attended in the mm-hmm. Federal Washington, you know, uh, close to Seattle. Washington. Yes, I know it. Uh-huh. That's when I graduated to high school, from high school. And then uh, after that, I went back to Brazil. And, uh, uh, but uh, my English was uh, much better, you know, more fluent. So, and, and that's, uh, you know, so I started going to college, night school, and business. And, uh, and then uh, from there, uh, I was hired by uh, uh, this company that needed somebody to be a liaison. You know, it was a brand new company. It started from scratch uh, on computer business forms and computer cards. For back then, that's what they used reader cards, and for IBM computers. And mm-hmm. uh, so they needed somebody that spoke English to be a liaison between the, the, the technicians to train the employees and also to uh, to learn about the, the equipment. And uh, end up, you know, doing that, and uh, end up being the the production manager in that plant, basically. Mm. Great start. And and let me just quickly say something qu- uh, about you, Frank, that maybe our listeners don't understand, and maybe maybe don't quite yet appreciate. And that is that your first language is Portuguese, which is of course being Brazilian, and and you obviously learned English and use it very well today. And you also speak Spanish, so I, that's another thing I wanted to be sure and point out. So anybody who doesn't uh, speak a second language might not appreciate the fact that how well you're able to communicate this experience in, in your in one of your second languages. So just want to applaud that real quick. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. So so then what happened? And then how did you get how did you get your strokes? I know you did a few th- different different endeavors when you were in Brazil. Right, right. So so I was working and then I was working this company and. Uh, and then back then, uh, there was a situation which my father got ill, uh, you know, very ill. And uh, so I basically took a leave of absence and uh, went to help him and take over the, the business, uh, the manufacturing business. And it was a temporary thing, uh, you know. And, uh, but at some point, I... Um, and I, I did that for a couple of years, basically. And I, you know, obviously they couldn't wait me for that long, so I ended up resigning that company. But it was very important that I interfered and then helped the, the family back then, you know. Where, and already, because I already had some experience with the business, and, and uh, I had uh, siblings that were still going to college, 
and uh, they were not ready, you know. And uh, so, but after that, uh, I I decided to, uh, you know, after everything was under control, let's put it this way, and my father got better and so forth, I decided to uh, come to the United States, basically. And what year was that? Uh, 1979. Okay. All right. Okay. Keep going. In general, I'd love just to have a little narration of just how it is that you went between the two countries. Keep going. Right, right. So coming to the U.S., uh, I start working for the, in the Northwest because I had family there. Like, I, you know, when I came to the U.S., I lived with my uncle in, uh, you know, Featherway, Washington, going to high school. So I went basically to this time he he, he lived in uh, uh, Vancouver, Washington. So I moved. So I, I moved to Washington, Vancouver, Washington. I got a job working for a paper converting plant, and this paper converting plant basically did, did cash register rolls, copy rolls, and you know, and copy paper, et cetera. And uh, because of my background with Agapress, which is uh, dealt with paper, computer business form, and so forth, that was a kind of a, uh, a match there. So I, I kind of assisted, I was an assistant production manager, helping them in the, in the leadership process of the, of the business. And at the same time, I was going to I decided to go back to school uh, to learn computers, you know, and, and that's what I did, you know, business data processing, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things I find interesting about your background that I also wanted to be sure and showcase is the fact that you have had experience working in a manufacturing-type environment, and then, of course, today and for the last several years working with information technology. I think those two... Right perspectives, those two wells of experience, I think, are, are really quite interesting. And I wonder how you think that they, they complement one another or how you, what you've learned from each one. Well, it's, it's interesting, which uh, one thing that uh, on my career uh, on information technology, the, the, my experience on the business side, on the operations side, helped me a lot understanding the customer. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you live all your life in technology and don't understand, you know, and, and that helped me quite a bit, you know. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, after I finished uh, my course, I, I, went to work for, I went to work for EDS, which was a g- great experience for me, you know, fantastic experience. And what did you do for and, them? Uh, uh, well, I started uh, on the operations side, and then I went to the system engineering program, and uh, and I went to the program. It was a training program, you know, which is very interesting. Um, where, you know, I learned a lot. That was a, um, very very valuable for me. Uh, not so, you know, because there's one thing that uh, the founder of EDS, Ross Perot, say. You know, we're not training you here to be uh, uh, just a program. We're training you to be a business person as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, then he, and he was right. He, you know, so it was one of the best training I ever had, hands-on and, and, and also on the practical side from IT perspective. Mm. I can only imagine. I can, I re- and you know what's what I, I appreciate too is you're so incredibly humble about all these experiences that you've had. You're 
<laughs> the things that you've done in your career are, are really quite remarkable. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show was to share that perspective that that and really kind of how you got to be who you are. So it's great that you're helping us understand where it all began and and you know how it how it accumulated. So after EDS, Electronic Data Systems, then where'd you go? Well, I, I worked for them for a period of time, and then uh, I decided that I want to, you know, because it was always in my my blood, the, the the desire to have my own business, you know, and and which uh, you know, seeing my father working in, in which he has his own business, and so did my grandfather, <laughs> you know. So uh, so I just I started a little consulting company. Uh, doing integration, um, IT work, uh, you know, from automation, uh, basically, and uh, you know, looking, at, you know, from and uh, from all aspects of uh, of, uh, of of uh, automation, you know, from time and attendance system to warehouse distribution, uh, automation, you know, from so and and I and that was uh, a challenging. It was uh, as well a uh, virtual company. I had several people working for me back then. You know, I had the best professionals where they, they, you know, were in different places and they could work remotely back then. And and, uh, so it was a great experience. And that was here in the United States or in Brazil? Here in the United States. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Um, Yeah, from from technology perspective, from IT, information technology perspective, Pretty much, the United States uh, was uh, my focus here. Okay, yeah, I get that. I get that. And then I know there was a period of time uh, when you went, and I know you invested in, in a manufacturing company in Brazil. And then for some period of time, I think if I remember from our conversation, you went down and and led some parts of it to be able to get it to where you wanted it to be in terms of strategy and structure. When when was that? Experience. Well, you know, you see, just kind of in between that, you know, just kind of uh, complement the, the history there. Uh, the, where I was uh, on my business, uh, I did that for, for, I continued doing the business, and one of my clients, you know, uh, which uh, my customers wanted me to join their team, you know, and this was a Campbell Soup company. Uh, so I was doing... You know, back then we did all their Y2K stuff, and then we did their warehouse automation. And and the vice president of manufacturing invited me. He says, you know, I want you to join the team. I want you to make a difference here. You know, not just as a consultant as a business, but you know. So I had to think very hard on that because you know here I was uh, independent, and then I was going to go back to. But it was a it was a, it was an interesting uh, proposition, and then I, I uh, and I just decided to join them basically, and I kept my my biz on simmer, you know, just kind of um, alive, but uh, not with a whole lot of activity, and, um, and then during that period, you know, uh, I uh, working for them, I had this opportunity in, in Brazil to invest in this business. So uh, I was invited by another uh, uh, person uh, that uh, there was this opportunity to start this business down there. So I made some investment. So I was a silent partner on that for a while. I mean, I was just remotely, I was just, you know, investment. 
I was part of the board of directors, but I was not involved in the day-to-day business. Okay. And uh, at some point uh, in 2009, uh, I decided to say I, I want to go back, you know, and help this business get ahead because my goal was to improve the business such a way they would be more productive and, uh, and be a target for acquisition or, 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 or uh, you know, something that would, would you know, or, or, or even participate and consolidate with other business. And, but it needed to improve, basically. There's a lot to improve. Uh, from leadership standpoint, all the way to productivity and 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 so so forth. Mm-hmm. And I want to get into the, the leadership piece of that, especially maybe give us some examples when we get into the third segment here, because that, that's what we're, we're going to focus on leadership. So we'll talk about that then. But why don't we go ahead and take this opportunity to take a quick quick break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Frank Guimaraes, who is a senior information technology business leader. He has enjoyed a career building and leading manufacturing companies in Brazil and information technology teams in the U.S. He joins us today from Dallas. We've been talking about how he got started in the world of business and kind of narrowed some of his background. After the break, we're going to talk about the cultural differences that he's been able to experience and direct between U.S. and Brazil. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise 
A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Frank Guimaraes, a senior information technology business leader. He has leadership experiences with large cross-functional teams and projects at Agapres, Indumetal, and Cometal Estructuras Metálicas in Brazil. He's worked in electronic data systems and held leadership positions at Pack Paper, Digilink Systems Corporation, and Campbell Soup Company in the United States. He enjoys fluency in his native Portuguese as well as English and Spanish. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, we were talking about your background, Frank, and really how you got started, some of the things that you've been involved in. For this next segment, I really want to talk about culture and, and help our listeners understand what you've been able to discern about the differences between Brazil and the United States. But before we get into that, um, I'll say that part of the reason I also wanted to have you on is because I had the wonderful chance of living in Brazil in 1991 to 93 and got to learn to speak well Portuguese once upon a time, and I miss it. So to, to start, would you just say a couple sentences in Portuguese for our listeners to be able to hear what it sounds like? Sure. Uh, Alessia, eu agradeço a, a sua cortesia e a sua bondade de me convidar para o seu show. É um prazer estar aqui e muito obrigado. Ah, de nada, igualmente. Uh, isn't that beautiful, listeners? It's just, I think it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous language. You're very welcome, and I'm glad to have you on the show as well. So for, for this next segment here, Frank, let's, let's, let's roll up our sleeves and, and snuggle into culture here. So talk to us a little bit about what's, what's it like to work in Brazil? I, you mentioned some of the labor laws. Maybe that's a place to start. But right. for people who have never lived or worked in another country, and certainly not Brazil, help us understand what it's like. Well, let's, let's put it this way, you know, and this is my perspective, and other people might have a different view of this. It's sure. a tough environment. It's a, it's a very, very tough environment um, <clears throat> where, you know, it's not a, just, just because, not the people, it's just the environment itself, you know. And just to give you a little, little perspective of, of uh, the labor laws, you know. For example, a company hires somebody, you know, like, for example, in our business there, we have welders, right? Uh, hire a welder. And uh, then uh, automatically, he would have uh, a 30 days paid vacation uh, after 12 months. You know, so after he works one, he, one year, he's entitled to uh, 12 uh, to 30 days vacation paid. Um, I, I'm just no, I'm just talking about cost, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for for the business, um, he also has is entitled to a. Uh, a extra bonus, an extra salary at the end of the year. So instead of being paid 12 months, you get paid 13 months. You know, there's an mm-hmm. extra month salary at the end of the year. Um, and those are pretty pretty tough, you know, for, 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 for the business. Uh, another thing is uh, automatically the company pays 10% of the person's salary in a, it's like a, it's not like a 401k, but uh, it's a savings account which uh, on the employee's name. The, the employee doesn't have to contribute to that, just the company. And uh, and, w- and with that, uh, the, the the employee uh, can uh, use this money when he retired, 
or when he buys a house, he can withdraw that money and buy. So it's a lot of benefit for for the employee. Um, the the normal, um, you know, and and obviously the the work we four hours. Uh, you broke up there. What'd you say, Frank? About how many hours he work? Forty, uh, forty-four. Forty-four. Here, okay. Yeah, he has 40, week, 40, 40, 40 hours, that's 44 hours a week. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and if you, he normally is mandatory one hour lunch, you know, uh, it's mandatory, you have to. Uh, if, uh, on the blue collar, uh, not just on the blue collar, but, but the company is supposed to pay, uh, extra for transportation, you know, if, if you have to get a bus to get to work or the company is supposed to contribute to that. Um, uh, overtime is paid uh, pretty much like here, time and a half, but you, you, you get paid uh, over uh, eight hours a day or over 44 hours a week, you know, e- either way. And you the the government will not allow you to work over twelve hours a day. It's against the law. Okay. Mm, wow. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of prote- and this is from the cost standpoint. But then mm-hmm. there's other things that is very difficult to to deal with. For example, if I uh, have a a welder that I pay him X, you know, uh, let's put uh, let's put ten bucks an hour. An example here. Or ten highs an hour, and he produces uh, just. He's a poor. He doesn't produce very well. You know, very. You know, I mean, we work with him. Is, but then there's another guy with the same classification, which produces uh, twice as much. And I cannot compensate the other guy that produced t- twice as much. Uh, f- uh, for I cannot reward him because they are in the same classification. It's like a te- wow. technicality, you know. Mm. So I would have to, as a, as a business owner, I would have to create a different classification in order to compensate that person for, for his performance. You know, so it's a nightmare for HR and, 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 and to, to keep, to, you know, because they want equality, basically. They don't want to discriminate that I'm paying this, this guy and I'm paying this guy less just because... But it, okay, but you, you have the same job description or uh, job uh, uh, classification, so now you cannot pay different. No. And that creates a problem. And that creates a problem because, uh, you know, I believe in uh, reward who is producing more. You know, that's, that's the way it is. Um, I, and, and there I would are agree. many other things that, uh, that it's a very tough environment. For example, it's very hard to fire somebody. Very difficult. Uh, it's just, just protected by the government labor laws. Meaning is, uh, you know, like here in the U.S., if you the business slow down and then you say, hey, we're we, we can't, uh, we're not selling, and things are getting bad, you know, so we need to lay off a few people, not fire, but lay off. And you, you do it. But when the business come back, you hire them back or hire other, you know. And, uh, and there is a little bit different because there is no such a, such a thing as layoff, you know. Uh, so either you terminate the person 
and then you have to uh, to go to uh, the government, uh, you know, <laughs> to pay uh, pay everything that he he's he uh, you know is entitled to severance. Even though he might have worked there only like six months, you still have to pay certain percentage of severance, his uh, vacation, whatever left he has of his vacation, which is prorated. Um, so, so companies think twice before they hire. You know, they have to, because then it's very difficult to, later on, if they have a need to diminish the workforce and, 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 and for whatever reason, productivity, whatever the reason is, is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like it's really, really a, a, a challenge to, to make money as a business owner in Brazil. Yes. And then that's where you, you well, well it's, it's, it's a challenge because, you know, you might think, well, labor cost is not so high. But then when you add today, you know, just a, a simple math for each Dollar I pay an employee, uh, it costs the company two dollars in the end, you know, in taxes and and and, and benefits, you know. So it, it so it's twice as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, I see that. Yeah. So operationally, there's some real challenges there. Um, when we think about the culture angle, right? So when we talk about culture, when I when I think about culture, the what I'm thinking about is this is the this is the context, the environment in which people think about things, feel about things, respond to things. And that and of course it's 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 influenced by the culture of the of the country and it's also the culture of the company. So right. paint for us a picture if you will of kind of what you what what happens in terms of culture and what you saw in terms of the manufacturing companies that you worked with. Help us understand what culture looks like in Brazil for those companies. Right. So so the companies have to and, and, and so the so the rules of engagement, let's put it this way, and because of all those things, uh, you need to how to address productivity, how to address how to improve your productivity, how to um, um, so the the the, the, the culture, uh, and by the way, you know, just kind of we're talking about overall. Uh, I found that uh, the Brazilian the Brazilians uh, engineers, the Brazilian professionals, the welders, the engineers. They weren't the best. They're very good. I mean, and they're dedicated. Uh, the, the, that's my personal experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what what we needed to to do is uh, is to lead in a sense so they 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 feel that they're part of the process. They're part of the business as well. And that sometimes doesn't happen in a lot of companies. You know, you just a you're an employee, you're a manager, you're here in the first line of work in operating machines, you're a manager, you're a leader, and, you're, and then it goes that way. So a lot of companies, mainly multinational companies, where they have different views and experience, they try to change that environment down there, not to enforce the the U.S. rules there, but to apply some of the tools that we use here to help bring the, those to engage those people because they're they're good, they're good employees, they're good professionals. So, my experience, you know, way back to Agapres, for example, when I first started, 
one of the things that uh, uh, it really helped me is that on this process of uh, training people, uh, new machines, there were no machines equal in the country. They were not like machines like those. So I had to train people from scratch. But with that, we created uh, some training programs, and then we end up engaging them in a, on, a, on, a, on an early uh, starting of the company where that helped quite a bit, you know, the engagement. You know, 101 in our classrooms and on, the, on the machines, and, 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 uh, and it created a certain level of confidence, trust, you know, between... Uh, the supervisors and the managers and, and the, the actual first-line uh, workers. Yeah. So that's, that's my experience, and I always use that. I think that's very important. Uh, and, uh, but the, in general, in general, the companies, uh, they have to be very creative. Uh, in each case, is different depending on what kind of environment you are. It's a manufacturing service. Uh, to do this type of engagement. And because, you know, think about it. If you are an employee where the government is like a union for you, you got, you got everything, you are protected and so forth, and, uh, and you, you, your salary is guaranteed, you know, and, and sometimes you can be in a comfort, comfort, comfort zone, you know, where uh, you, uh, you don't, you don't uh, worry about it, you know. But so that's why the business were very, very uh, was very important for for the business to engage those people, for them to be part of the process, for them to understand what they're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, I went on the floor, uh, talked to this welder, and he's welding a piece of a that's going a structure for a roof of a, a warehouse, and I said, "Do you know what you're doing?" Say yeah, I'm welding here. I said, but but why? You know where they're going to use this for? Sort of, you know. But but what he needed was to feel the importance of his work, Mm -hmm. and and how would that make a difference? You know how they're going to use his work. So and and make it important. Say your work is very important because if you don't do this right, we're going to have issues. And people's life could be at risk, you know. And, and it, obviously, we had the quality department to check for, check for those things. But the, the need to, and, and that's the, that's the thing that we always had to to do constantly. Hmm. So that's probably not right. Any, any too terribly much different than what we what people want to be connected to overall purpose in the states too. And one thing I want to ask you to, so in other words, I see some commonality there. So I, I, I want to see to what extent this shows up in the workplace for the experience that I had. So being an American from the Northwest, from Oregon, when I moved right. to Rio de Janeiro in 1991, what I encountered, Frank, was just this warm, wonderful, embracing culture. And the thing that I remember so strongly was that people people really talked with each other. And when you when you were really comfortable with people, whether it was a personal basis or a close professional relationship, you oftentimes touched the person on the arm or someplace when you when you talk with them. There was there an element of connection there, and friends would walk down the street arm in arm. Men would you know walk down arm in arm and, and embrace, et cetera. Just a much more warm culture. Does that show up in the workplace too? Yes, 
It does. Yes. Um, how, how so? And, 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 I'm sorry? How so? Well, yeah, and, and, and again, and uh, I think uh, I say yes, uh, it, it just depends on, 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 the, on the business itself, you know, on the culture of that business to, uh, to, to allow that to happen. Because naturally, that would happen. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yes, uh, I think uh, in a certain way, uh, there is this uh, warmth uh, uh, where people are very friendly. And, 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 uh, and, uh, but then uh, on the demand of the day-to-day uh, business, you, you, you have to reserve yourself. You can't, you know, there is some separation there. But there, there is some connection. There's some connection on the business as well between uh, the team members. Yes. Mm. I'm going to have to tell a story to, about when I first came back because I had to really, they were, I, I was infected, positively infected by, by my, my Brazilian friends who taught me a lot about communication and relationships. So I'm going to uh-huh. tell a short story after the break here, but it's already time for another break, if you can believe that. Time flies. I'm Elise okay. Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Frank Guimaraes, a senior information technology business leader. He has enjoyed a career building and leading manufacturing companies in Brazil and information technology teams in the U.S. He joins us today from Dallas, Texas. After the break, we're going to talk more about the field of leadership and what he's experienced from both sides of the equator there. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Frank Guimaraes, who is a senior information technology business leader. He has leadership experience with large cross-functional teams and projects at Agapres, Indumetal, 
and Comital Estruturas Metálicas in Brazil, worked at Electronic Data Systems, and held leadership positions at Pack Paper, Digilink Systems Corporation, and Campbell Soup Company in the United States. He enjoys fluency in his native Portuguese, as well as English and Spanish. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before the break, we were talking about culture in Brazil, which I, of course, am very fond of. And for this next segment, I want to talk about leadership. But before we do, I told you I'd tell you a story about when I first came back from Brazil. So um, I'll do that real quick. Um, (laughs) So this is my story. This is necessarily representative of all people. But so I found my experience of living in in Rio to be incredibly informing and really it, it helped me develop I think, a better fluency in communication with people and learning how to just really connect with people on a totally different level than I ever did was when I lived in the United States. And little things like just, you know, touching somebody's arm when you when you communicate with them. And women, of course, would oftentimes, my, my recollection, my experience, when you sat with a woman who was close to you, you might actually stroke her hair or her face as you talk with her. And it was just a beautiful thing to do. And I didn't realize the extent to which um, the culture had become so much a part of, of me until when I got back. I moved back from Rio de Janeiro in August of 1993, and I <laughs> found myself not long after that standing in a Starbucks line, and I was chatting with the, the gentleman in front of me and exuberantly saying something about, I guess, what I was, do- what I was doing that day or something, and all of a sudden, he's, he asked me, would you like to go out with me this weekend? And I said, no, I don't want to go out with you this weekend. What would make you think that? And I looked down, and the whole time I'd been talking with him, I'd been rubbing his arm up and down. (laughs) Because, you know, you have a conversation, you put your hand on them. And he took that to mean (laughs) something else. (laughs) So I I had several things to unlearn when I first came back to the States to to function well. But um, we can say that I was positively infected by my Brazilian experience, Frank. So great great memories. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but 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 you're right. This is part of the culture where you know you're talking to people. They're either you know they touch you or, or or it's normal. I mean, it's just like how to communicate with the hands, you know. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can so you can well envision that interaction, can't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about leadership next. Enough enough about you know those early early fun days when I was single and and dating. Um, so. I wanted to talk about leadership, right? This is an important, important component about any anything related to the world of work today and certainly business. And you have the vantage point of, of doing it from both sides of the equator. And and maybe what we can do is start with what you started to say at the first segment when you said that you had invested in that, that manufacturing company and then you went down and worked in it for a little while because you were trying to affect some changes to make it more saleable, to make it more operational, more attractive. So what did you do from a leadership perspective? Well, um, it's, it's first thing is that I need to I needed to understand what was going on, what was happening with the the behavior, you know, from the top down, starting from the CEO all the way down to uh, the janitor. You know, what was the the behavior, and uh, you know, and obviously I I, uh, I noticed that uh, the. There were some disconnect, you know, and uh, I noticed that there was a lot of uh, centralization from uh, from the CEO standpoint, you know, and, and uh, just holding everything, you know, and, and uh, well, pretty much a little bit uh, lack of uh, trust, you know, on the next level and, and so forth. Not, not that they were bad, it's just that, you know, uh, 
it's, it's, it's normal, this lack of trust, and, and people would like to centralize. So that, that was, the, that was the, the, the environment. So I did uh, two things. You know, when I, I was uh, at uh, Campbell Soup, I was uh, lucky enough that I went through the RLF program uh, through a leadership uh, program that uh, was offered, you know, by the CIO, Campbell Soup CIO, and it was great. What a great experience I had. It's a great leadership program uh, through SIMS, you know. Yeah, this is, and, so for uh, our listeners who don't understand this, so let, let me make sure they, they know what this is. So the Society for Information Management organization offers a, a, a program called Regional Leadership Forum, RLF. That's what Frank is talking about. Go ahead, Frank. Yes. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a program, it's a long program, you know, where it lasts for a few months, and, uh, <clears throat> and you have to go through a lot of reading, a lot of... Uh, but it's, it's interesting is the engagement of the program and is how, how you, you learn more about the, how to uh, empower people, you know, and, uh, and that was the thing that I, I needed to do. So on that aspect, I took, uh, like, the model from uh, the RLF program and uh, I hired a consulting company and I kind of explained them, okay, she's... Obviously, the ILF program was more geared to uh, IT professionals, but it was a, I, I kind of used the model and adapted that to uh, to uh, to that manufacturing environment, you know, and, and um, in which and, and, and then we kind of did a tryout, you know, understanding and and instead of a uh, you know reading forty books, you know, in a period of time, we kind of created separate text, but the, the goal was the same, you know, the goal was the same. And, um, but then how do we start a program? Well, I started a program going, first talking to the CEO, said, hey, hey and I had this consulting company interviewing him and, you know, and show exactly what the problem was in, in certain aspect. Because we needed top-down understanding what it was doing. So it didn't work if I just went to the floor or, or to first-line supervision or in the engineering department or, or you know, and, and, and say, okay, here's a, let's engage just there. Let's do, do, go to this program here if the top management was not engaged on the process. So we needed to have a buyout from top management, first of all, and all from the CEO and says, okay, here it is. Um, and, uh, but before we go into this program, you need to understand that some of the behavior needs to be changed, you know, from, from uh, the C-level uh, folks. I said, okay, that's... So the, the program uh, was involved, you know, in the, in the, we, we involved sales, uh, operations, you know, management, supervisors, uh, in the engineering, because we had an engineering department, which did they did all the, the trust calculation for the, all the the beams and things like that for for the business, uh, and then and then it was great. I mean, it, it worked great, um, and that was and the program really it made a difference. People start talking more and dialoguing more and, and uh, engaging more. You know, not work in silos, you know. 
Um, but th- because they're good professionals. All they need is a little bit, uh, give them some leadership, basically. Give them some, some power, empowering them. That was one thing. The second thing we did is uh, we created daily direction settings. Every day we made them meet all departments, finance, uh, uh, sales, and, and uh, uh, marketing sales, and, and production, and everything. Everybody would meet every day for 30 minutes to talk about what's happening yesterday and what's going to happen today, just to engage. You know, instead of, you know, exchanging emails. <laughs> oh, send an email. I'm waiting for a reply. I, oh, I didn't receive any reply back. Okay. <laughs> so and that made, made a difference. We're engaging people where instead of waiting for an email back, you call or, or talk about it on the discussion on this meeting. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and this is, in this day set direction is part of the lean manufacturing process, basically. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about what you're describing here to me, so I know, of course, of the Regional Leadership Forum because I've had the wonderful experience to come back and present my meaning and work and identity research to a group every single year for the last, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years, I can't remember how many. So I know the program well. It's an excellent program. So are you saying that to bring that kind of a program, was was that an unusual thing to do in Brazil, to bring that kind of a program there to empower people? No, okay, no. No, no, not at all. It's just the model that we use on the on the using the RLF model. But there are many, many tools, uh, and that the, you know, specialized. This company, for example, that I hire, they, that's what they do. But they use different tools. They use different uh, methods, you know, methodologies. And mm-hmm. I just kind of engage them to to use the RLF model, basically. Got it. So what were the results then, Frank? So if you, you, you put this program into place o- over what period of time and what kind of results did you get? Uh, it was, uh, the program lasted for about, uh, uh, I think, six to eight months, uh, and uh, it was great. I mean, it was really fantastic. Uh, and, uh, um, you know, we, and, and, and obviously that with combination with this uh, daily direction setting also created – a pretty good work environment where people really engaged and talked. But so, so there was a, there were some improvement, quite a bit in productivity, uh, quality. You know, and we had less issues because things were uh, being addressed. It's just like, okay, this is my problem. It's not the CEO problem. <laughs> so they took responsibility themselves for, for, for what they were doing. Mm. You know, and they start understanding more what they were doing, and they were part of this big family. They were not just a guy working a corner, you know. I, I get the sense in listening to you, Frank, that you had a pretty good time doing this program. Was it fun? Oh, I love it. You know, I could I really tell. Do. Yeah, I could I mean, so this, tell. Yeah, I, I really, really, really love the program. You know, and 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 again, it's something fantastic, it, and. That's why I say I'm glad uh, Campbell's CIO uh, offered me that opportunity, you know, and, and I, you know, really enjoyed that. Mm. So when you came to this, so when you were, so other experiences of being in the States, you founded your own company, you had your own consulting company here. Um, right. Anything you can share with us about how you went about leading that company? Then you had a virtual team. Yes. 
was pretty much a virtual team, team and uh, and w- which is tough sometimes, you know. But uh, I think uh, the rules of engagement is pretty much uh, basic, you know, constant contact uh, uh, with them, you know, uh, feedback from the, uh, the customers. So having conference calls on a daily basis, uh, so, so it's the basic. But at the same time, uh, again, you know, it's, it's just like uh, lessons learned from the, my past. If you're working on a project for a customer, it's the number one priority for you to learn their business, at least to understand their business, not learn, you know, and say. And that's, that's where, what I tried to do with them, okay? Do you know, you know, it's like when Campbell Soup was my, my, my customer before I joined their, their team, where I need to understand what they do. They, you know, they, they, I need to understand how they, their business was done. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that was fundamental. And Absolutely. In, and in everything that I did, and that's how, how I, I tell them, you know, how can you do uh, a project? I don't care if it's an uh, improvement process, automation. I, if you don't understand the customer's perspective, the customer's perspective of the business. Mm. I got it. So believe it or not, we're just a couple minutes short of the show already here, Frank. So let me just give you, if you can, to close and give you the last word, maybe 30 seconds or so. How would you like to leave, What any, anything you'd like to leave with our listeners regarding the world of work, being productive, meaningfully connected? What would you like to say to them? Well, and that's uh, kind of part of what I just said. I think, uh, you know, I think um, when, if you're an employee, um, make sure that uh, you value your value uh, added to the company, and if you're a consultant, same way. And uh, and then think about it that if you were one of the owners, or if you were one of the shareholders of that company, and bring creativity perspective to improve your environment, and you know, and so you can enjoy what you're doing. You know, that's another side of it, but that's absolutely important. You know, understand what you're doing. Yeah, understand your business and enjoy what you're doing. Mm, sounds good to me, Frank. Então, muito obrigada por juntar-me aqui em, em, neste show. Foi, mu- foi muito bem para mim. A próxima vez vamos conversar em português. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, Frank, for joining us. It was ah, wonderful. Muito obrigado. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yes, if you want to learn more about Frank Guimarães, you can send him an email. That's a nice way to be able to find him. And that email address is frankg at digilinksys.com. So it's frank, F-R-A-N-K-G, at D-I-G-I-L-I-N-K-S-Y-S dot com. Join us next week when we'll be talking on the air with 13-year-old Dalton Dalton Kraft, who has been pursuing his professional acting career since age 11. We'll be talking about how he was able to identify his passion so early and how he's gone about cultivating it into a profession in middle school already. See you next week. Remember that work is at least one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.